Also, I'm producing a ton of shows now, so hit me up at Deft Communications, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I'm an ace podcast producer. This is but one of nine shows that I produce, including a sister show of Happy Friday on the Mile High Life Network. That's Vic Lombardi's Denver. Ballots just dropped here in Denver. And Vic talks to the producers of CityCast Denver. Really, really fun. I love what I do. I'm insanely lucky to get to do it. And if you'd like some help getting your show going, hit me up. J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Now then, let's get to this week's episode. Ryan Nanny, Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter and Instagram. A dude trying to do as many podcasts as possible here in 2023. I help him do that. It's episode 349, and it starts right now. That's an interesting question because I know what that answer would have looked like four months, a year, five years ago. But as a newly minted member of the freelance society, <laughs> yeah. now it's like there is no one answer to it. So like it require I am learning that it requires a lot more of me to decide what Wednesday <laughs> looks like rather than yeah. saying like this is what a Wednesday is for the company that I work. I don't work for a company anymore. So I have to figure that out. So this is a terrible answer, but it's like, I know what this Wednesday looks like. Okay. I have no idea what next Wednesday looks like. Well, okay. How are the rhythms of that finding you? Because I've been on my own now. I've had my own company since 2015 yeah. and I love it. I don't think I can ever go back. It takes some getting used to because I think what it is, is that when you have a day where you're, you're just sort of like not top notch and you're not mm-hmm. feeling like everything's firing on all cylinders when you work for somebody else, you can sort of rely on the structure and the pattern that they have set up and sort of say like, okay, I can get through today knowing like that's the background that I have to work with. When you don't have that, you kind of have to say like, all right, what I find I am triaging things constantly. (laughs) I'm sort of figuring out like, okay, what are the two things I really need to knock out today? And if I get them done and I have time to do more, awesome. And if, if I get to the end of the day and I just did those two, that's fine. Like I, mm-hmm. I set expectations. I, I found when I was in corporate that I was busy all day but accomplished very little. Yes, 100%. And so like, what were you doing before? So most recently, I was the managing editor at Secret Base, which is Vox Media's sports video division, digital sports video division. Okay. And so that was a role that like it was 20, it was, it was a Swiss army knife kind of role. Mm -hmm. So I had to work with sales and legal and marketing and comms, but I also had to oversee like the editorial operation and figure out like, okay, How are we looking on the editorial calendar? Do we need to have a producer meeting to talk about new ideas? Do, you know, is, does somebody need to sort of have a new idea that they want to pitch? Um, What are we doing analytics wise? Like it's sort of, it sort of touches everything both within the team internally, but also like reaching out to other units at Vox to make sure like they know what we're doing we know what they need, like try and keep things running as smoothly as theoretically possible. Okay. So this is Ryan Nanny who 
this this is like one of the weirder shows I've ever done because I follow you on Twitter and you have a great mm-hmm. Twitter handle. It's Celebrity Hot Tub. And I don't even remember how I started following you because I'm not particularly interested in college football. Like I don't sure. even, I don't even care. But I think people I like were retweeting you a lot. So it's okay. possible it was like Drew McGarry and folks like that. And so I started following you. You got a fucking hilarious Twitter account. Thank you. Yeah, I it's one of my favorites on that garbage fire of a platform <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it, that's that's a sentence that is less of a compliment in 2023 than it would have been five years ago but that's that's not your fault no that's it's not your uh, fault. no no i'm i'm just uh but a mere blade of grass in this yard of insanity <laughs> uh and like you have a pinned tweet up there and you said and I, what was the origin of this but you said i want to do as many podcasts as possible yeah. And I go, all right, well, fuck it. I'm up for a challenge. I, I like your Twitter account. Like, let's do this. I, I've been doing this show for nine years. Yeah. I, I can interview anyone at this point. So I'm down. <laughs> what was your thinking behind that? So every now and again, I will just get a big idea in my head that is not really driven from like, oh, this is a super smart career move or this would be like something that other it's, – it's entirely self-interested. It's entirely selfish. And in this case, <laughs> towards the end of 2022, I don't even remember what prompted it, but I was like, you know what's fun is going on other people's podcasts. That I is fun. Have, yeah. Like, I also have been podcasting for a long time. Uh, I think the Shutdown Fullcast, the main show that I co-host, somebody told us we've, we've, rec- we've either almost or just recently passed 10 years doing it. And that that's its own I have to wrestle with that in its own terms. Oh, uh, that's weird, isn't it? You know that hosting and managing a podcast is very different from guesting. Oh, like, yeah. I've used a variety of metaphors to explain it, but the one that I have landed on that I like the best is it's the difference between going to a dinner party and hosting a dinner party. That's good. Both of those things are fun, and both of those things can be like really rewarding, but the work... And the expectations are are just vastly different. So this was me sort of saying, like, I want to sort of try to do this as aggressively and as insistently as possible. Because the other thing is, like, it's weird to ask people to be on their podcast. Like, that's just not how <laughs> it works, right? No, I mean, I get pitches, though. Like, you know, yeah. it, because my show is called John of All Trades. So it's like, right. hey, hey, I got a cool job. Right. And like uh, Ryan, I mean, sometimes that's like fucking manna from heaven, though. Sure. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. I guess I feel like I would have felt self conscious about doing it. Sure. In a direct way, but I figured if I just put this out there <laughs> with all these qualifiers, that like I'm not necessarily like I'll go on any podcast. I really don't need to like be a subject matter expert. I I know I feel like I know how to be a good guest, et cetera, et cetera, and then just see what happens. Like. That to me has been the real fun of it is like there have been sort of, you know, college football people I know who are like, oh, we'd love to have you on our show. And and that's great. But I also like I a couple of weeks ago, I did a show that is just about watching every Frankenstein property that there is, <laughs> including like we watched this really weird Italian uh, production <laughs> called Lady Frankenstein from the 70s. Great. And it's like. That's not a thing I would do or seek out on my own. But by putting this weird bat signal out there, I get the opportunity to uh, try some very unusual things that are outside of my comfort zone. Dude, I love that. I mean, like, 
We, so, two. I have two thoughts here. One, my favorite genre of thing is things that are too stupid to exist, right? <laughs> and in many ways, like that, that many of my favorite things fall under that category, like yeah. professional wrestling. Yes, because professional wrestling is insane. Yep. Ska music is like, hey, you know what? Let's take reggae and let's pair it with rock. And or you know what? Here's some punk music. You know what this needs? The the nerds from your high school band. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, I have something. I bought at a punk rock flea market that is a cross-stitched like, quote. It's like an inspirational yeah. quote. But all yeah. it is is DMX lyrics. <laughs> and so like you and you'll watch people read it because they all read it the same way like and it's just this like adorable little thing in a frame with like the thing you'd see it like your grandmother's exactly but what it says is y'all gonna make me lose my mind (laughs) up in here up in here (laughs) and so like people of our generation because i i presume we're probably about the same age yes will will read that and then by the end they're like up in here, right, up in right, here. And right, you're like, yeah, right. fucking A. Like, that right, reaction right. is worth it. So, number one, that is uh, what you're doing almost fits into that genre, things that are yes. too stupid to exist. It's phenomenal. Like have, My wife uh, definitely thinks this is too stupid. <laughs> so Good. And then the other thing, I always, like, I coach people on presentations. That's part of my job. And uh, I always tell them, like, everyone it, when, when anytime you're presenting whenever someone gets up there and they go you know hi how you doing my name's john and today i'm gonna be talking to you it's like man you fucked up okay like you had an opportunity there to grab the audience by the lapels and you just chose not to do it right so i always tell people make bold choices and the universe will reward you for them so for this something like this where you're you're like <laughs> i don't have to be a subject matter expert let's watch frankenstein movies you know i imagine i i, I have no idea I actually I have some idea of what the breadth of podcasts out there are, but the fact that you're like birding automotive repair, I don't care. Just <laughs> right, right, yes, yes. I, I think that's phenomenal. And who knows, like when you throw that net out into the ocean, what you're going to get dragged back to shore. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun and has gone in a lot of unexpected directions. <clears throat> okay, let's. Uh, Let's get your subject matter expertise out of the way okay. first, which is college football, and you'll find out soon why I'm ambivalent about it largely. Okay. My team was good, uh, and I don't know. Maybe this is a quiz. Let's see. Let's see if you can get if who I can it hone is. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they were good 20 years ago. Um, okay. It was about the last time they were in the top 25. Yeah. They play in not a major conference. Oh, okay. I'm based here in Denver. Okay. Uh, and one of their former coaches was alleged to have been nakedly humping a shark. Um, <laughs> well, this is so I'm that, that one's fan, a gimme. So this, is, so this is easy. So you're a Colorado State fan. That's right. And it's been tough sledding for that program yes. for a while yes. now. Yeah. And so, you know, there's some hope with Jay Norvell, but I, I was during the Bradley Van Pelt era, mm-hmm. which was a phenomenal. And I was in college when that was happening, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got some hope with McIlwain. I don't know, man. I, I imagine this is not the top of your radar in terms of following college football, but thoughts on the CSU Rams? So I think Colorado State is a useful – everything you've described is sort of a useful blueprint of sorts for how much this sport has changed in the last 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. Like this used to be a sport where 
Colorado State. Boise State is probably like the biggest example of this, but mm -hmm. where schools that weren't in power conferences that didn't come from like natural uh, huge recruiting uh, areas and that didn't have a ton of capital invested could still churn out successful and entertaining football. Yeah. And the Delta has just grown so tremendously yeah. between the haves and the have nots that to do that is, is really, really hard. Like Jay Norvell is a really good example because the whole reason he's at Colorado state is because his previous school, Nevada basically won't spend money on football. Oh yeah. Like, even though he did well there, it's just like, this is not a thing we're going to do. And while I, I think you can have a variety of opinions about it, I can understand if somebody, if you're a college administrator at a school like Nevada and sort of saying like, well, there's no way, like you're either, you're either in for a lot or you're not. There's no way to sort of like say like, we want to be in the middle class. Like mm. that doesn't exist in college football. That's going away in college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's pretty sad. Like, be, because, I mean, it was at least fun to go for a long time. Sure. And, you know, you look at right down the road, and this is so funny. All my friends used to get all amped up for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great when we get our asses kicked by CU again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because they're in a better conference. They have more money. They have a better donor base. CSU is very much like a working class school. Like we have a right. world class vet program, right? But right. there's no med school, there's no law school, so you don't yeah. have like wealthy alumni. <clears throat> Whereas CU has all those things. My my friends would get excited, like the way Shelbyville gets excited to play Springfield. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is like why we beat your football team nearly yes. half the time. Yes. But now, Coach Prime, yeah. uh, and no one around here ever shuts the fuck up about it. <laughs> um, is injecting some life. How do you see that going? Oh man, I I think the biggest the the biggest fool's errand I could in, embark upon would be to try to say how will things end for <laughs> for Deion Sanders at Colorado. Uh, I think the initial sort of uh, stretch of this is exactly what we probably should have thought it was going to be. It's a lot of attention from the media and from the fans, which is like. Not the entire reason why you hire him, but it's a big one. It is but, a reason. Yes. And like to get the kind of attendance that they got at their spring game, mm -hmm. like that's you're you're trying to inject life into what had really sunk to a, a lifeless state of a program. It also comes with like he is uh, I think the most diplomatic way to put it is that he is a bit of a renegade. So the roster churn that you've seen there and like guys saying they're getting run off campus and you know, him being very open and honest coming in about like, I don't, most of this roster is not going to be here next year. Yeah. Like there is, there is nothing about the, the experience so far that is surprising. All right. I should, I should amend that yesterday or the day before there was a story that said Colorado is at some gambling houses the sixth or seventh most bet team to win the national championship. <laughs> Despite being, I think the odds are 250 to one. Wow. There is no way that's going to happen. Not <laughs> this year. Not this year. It's just like, it's just not. But it's kind of wild that enough people are taken in by the magnetism of Deion Sanders and the 
you know, the flashiness of some of the transfers they have coming in and the stat and like there is an element of I think more so in college football than almost any other sport of what you are selling is belief, yeah. not necessarily like a promise of future results. I think that's an interesting way of putting it because you need to inject some life into yes. your program. And they, man, CU did a great job at doing that. Yes. Um, whereas, you know, it, God, poor CSU hires someone like Steve Adazio, mm-hmm. who doesn't even have a good record from where he came from, right. and then shows up and immediately just craps the bed and like yes. alienates the fans and the alumni and the athletic department. And you're going, what the fuck, man? Like, who vetted this? Like, why? Why? Um, right. <clears throat> whereas CU makes a, takes a huge swing, brings in Deion Sanders. I have no idea how it's going to end, but it certainly is compelling to watch, at least right now, from just a raw attention kind of standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flip side is, if you're Colorado and now you have all this attention on you, now the results matter more. If oh, you yeah. were Colorado and you went, I don't know, three and nine this year with a different coach, I think most people would say, well, we didn't pay that much attention to the buffs, but three and nine is better than a one win season. So they're showing some improvement. And like it's Colorado and our expectations are minimal. If Colorado goes three and nine this year, which is entirely possible. Yeah, I think so. Because they because of what that roster is and because they have a very, very challenging schedule. What does that mean? Like now you have to turn this into a different kind of spin game. And mm. now year two starts to matter. Like I think what's interesting is for the first time in stretching back to probably the nineties, this is a Colorado program that will have expectations. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I have no idea what that looks like. I don't think anyone does because like there's no continuity in the roster whatsoever. Right. right. And so you look at that and you go, what the hell even is this team going to be? And yeah. and Dion himself said, he's not like a game strategist or like anything like that. He's more, he's like Ted Lasso in a lot yes. of ways. Yes. Um, which is bizarre. Okay. I, I have a different question for you, okay. which is I produce a show uh, by a guy named Vic Lombardi, who has been a longtime sports. Uh, he's covered sports here in Denver. He's been all over the country. He does the Nuggets pregame and postgame on altitude. I asked him with a career covering sports, and he's three hours on the radio every day, too. Yeah. I'm like, do you get burned out talking about sports? And so for you, you're known for this. Every day, probably, you're having to talk about it or write about it or think about it. Do you get yeah. burned out on it? I, I, uh, sometimes, yes. I would say during certain college football seasons, there comes a point, probably around like mid-November, where, it, you know what it is? It's that it coincides with the hours of daylight getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the, the world kind of is going to sleep. But you are sort of still like, okay, we're going to wake up on Saturday and we're going to watch 11 hours oh, of God. football. And in a good, in an interesting season where it's like there's intrigue and there's lots of in, you know interesting storylines, it's easy to sort of like maintain the enthusiasm. In a season where you're like, yep, Alabama's just steamrolling everybody, and it's just sort of a question of who the who they will uh, uh, steamroll in their last two games before they claim another national title, it's a little harder. But I I think for me, I really try to make sure that I am 
mixing it up in other ways, Got like it. finding other things to consume, finding other things to talk about on on a podcast or write about or, you know, chat about with friends like you do. I, I think it would be impossible. I shouldn't say that. There are some people who are wired this way. It's impossible for me to sort of go into like all sports all the time. Yeah. So when you're not doing sports, what are you into? Well, this is kind of a weird answer right now. I, lately, I've discovered that I'm uh, really into television shows about broken people. Okay. Which is, and I realize this because I'm I'm watching Succession. I am I haven't kept up with uh, I, I haven't started the new season of Barry, but I will be doing. That. Oh, I'm halfway through it. Yeah, I'm I'm, um, I'm 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 up to date on Barry. Okay, I I have I'm waiting for Succession to end before I get caught up on Barry, and then. The other day, I was like, maybe I'll rewatch Hannibal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a theme here. And and I don't know that I like that theme very much. So so television shows about broken people well, and broken so relationships. Drew, Mag- yeah. Drew McGarry compared Succession to Entourage. Yeah. And I've not watched Succession but I fucking hated Entourage. Like I never watched Entourage, so wh- I don't have. Yeah. I mean, I I saw a handful of episodes, and I'm like, these guys are fucking idiots. Like I, yeah. you know, everyone's like, no, that's like the dream. You know, you and your friends getting to do whatever. I'm like, my dream was never to be that vapid and moronic. Right. Um. So like, it, so that one's not for me. But I'm like, okay, he might be saving me a trip here on Succession. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because I I've not seen it, and I get enough of rich people acting terrible, like mm-hmm. from the news. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, that you know just doesn't feel like my thing, but everyone seems to be into it. So I think what I like about Succession is that it gives you a sense of what it is like to be ultra wealthy and influential. Like it doesn't, it there is sort of, but it's not fetishistic in that way. Yeah, like yeah, it's, uh, not, yeah, it's really not aspirational. Luxury. Yes, and it is also, I think, it, it's done a very good job of laying out that being rich and privileged is not the same thing as being smart is not the same thing as being talented or being able to read a room. And to a T, I would say all of the primary characters, it reminds me in some ways of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Because everybody involved (laughs) thinks they are much smarter than they actually are. That's perfect. Even when their plans don't work, even when their schemes fail, there is no, there is no room to self-reflect and be like, I think I'm out over my skis here. Right. Like they all think like, no, I am the mastermind. And it, that's why it reminds me of always sunny is like, that's good. Mac at no point is Mac ever like, you know what? I think maybe I'm like doing too much. He's like, Nope, I'm smarter than all of them. <laughs> so, uh, that is absolutely perfect because I grew up, my dad was a member of a country club. So you get a lot of that sort of I'm rich because I'm smart and I'm smart yes. because I'm rich yes. energy. Yes. And some of the country club crowd is uh, like among the most bottom feeding dumbasses I've yeah. ever, ever met in my life. So your sort of portrayal of succession in that way, I think, is really good. Always Sunny. Do you have a favorite line from It's Always Sunny? Because I have one right off the top of my head. <laughs> um. I don't know if I have a favorite line per se. I probably do, but I can't summon one right now. What is yours? Okay, so my my friend and I were getting ready to go into an art museum. We're just two like middle aged dads, and we're going to go check out art museum. So naturally, yeah. we're going to we want to get stoned before that. Sure. And so 
he just we, we come outside this bar he pulls the joint out of his pocket and he goes well i don't know how much time i have left but i'm gonna make it weird meanwhile block the wind i'm gonna roast this bone <laughs> <laughs> And, and he, like he had that in the holster, I think yeah. is a present just for me yeah. because yeah. he said that and I couldn't stop laughing. And then so we smoke some weed yeah. and then I can't stop laughing because now that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, that's that's the place you're in now. It was yes. perfect. Yes, that's that's lovely. That's, that's a perfect. good one, too. Perfectly so. executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Okay. We've covered broken people on television. Yeah. Um, it looks like I checked out your Instagram briefly. You look like you got young kids, and I do too. Yes, I have a six-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Holy fuck. Okay, so mine are six and eight. Okay. So the other direction. Yeah. And I think you'll find once that younger one gets to about six, your life changes quite a bit. But right now, you're, man, you're still in the shit. How is it going? It is... <sighs> I'm not, I don't regret... What has happened in my life? I what a way to start a sentence. Clear. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> I love my children, and I'm glad that they're here. But there is something about having... So my daughter was... She had just turned five when her brother was born. Yeah. And when you have a five-year-old, you're kind of at what you're... You're getting... You're pretty much at what you're talking about, where you're like, this is... A, I live with somebody who has a degree of independence, mm-hmm. and I have to keep an eye on them but it's not the same level of attention and mental load and they can do things on their own for stretches. And I can sort of like, we can coexist in a different way. Yeah. That is not as dependent when you have, when you have a five-year-old and you've done all the work to get them to that point, And then you sort of were like, what if we start all the way back over? <laughs> yeah. Let's reset the clock for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, I don't know if you are into video games, but sure. it reminds me of when you like do a new game plus where you've completed a game and you're like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this mode where I start the game over. When you do that, the game is not like, well, we're not going to make you do all the like <laughs> in tutorials and the like basic fetching quests and like it's like no you got to do all that even though it's boring <laughs> and you know that there's a much better there's like a more yeah. intricate game <clears throat> two hours later so at some point you're just like oh man we already did all these things <laughs> so i i have a better while i am happy with our choices i have a deeper appreciation for people who have clustered their children closer together to just say like we're gonna have our diaper phase will be longer, but it will be contiguous. Yeah. <laughs> contiguous. Great use yeah. of the word contiguous. <laughs> because, yeah, for us, we went through a bunch of infertility to get my first one. Yeah. And so then she came. It was great. We waited like a year, and we go, okay, this could take some time again. Yeah. But literally, first try. Yeah, right. And, I mean, we should have known better by that point. We shouldn't have been surprised by that. But my wife is like, oh, my God, I have to be pregnant again? Like, I just was pregnant. Yeah. And then people would say to us, you know, insane shit, like, you're going to have two in diapers. And I go, well, what difference does it make? Like, I'm I'm already doing diapers. It's just more diapers. Like, so, like, I I have a new kid. More of my time is going to be occupied, but just with the same kind of crap. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, my kids are 20 months apart, which is phenomenal because they're pals. I mean, in many yes. ways, they, you know, they're like Chris Brown and Rihanna in certain ways where it's like, could you stop beating the shit out of each other? Right, right, right. Um, but to your point, I 
the older they get, the more I'm appreciative of that decision and largely based on kind of the opposite of what you just articulated for me. Yes. Yes. The ni- I will say the nice thing about having at least my six year old, I don't know if this would be true for everybody is the age difference there has eliminated any sense of competition or oh, God, jealousy. Yeah. Like there is no, she, she is old enough that she doesn't want to be thought of as a baby and hasn't in a while. And she kind of approached, she's a, she, th- my daughter is a kid who like loves to talk to grownups and like mm-hmm. in her head, I think she thinks she's 24. <laughs> so she approaches it from, I'm the third parent. Oh, We're dear. all sort of doing this together. <laughs> and while that does have times where you're like, I need you to not do that. Mm-hmm. It is mostly good. It yeah. is mostly like easy to navigate. Our eight-year-old does that to our six-year-old, and my my wife also has a sister who's like two years older than her, so she is she is on my older one about that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's like don't do that. Let her speak for herself, and you yes. are not her mom, right? And she's st- like sometimes she'll still fight that with her own sister. Yeah. So yeah, man, I I hear you. I that's, I mean that's kind of nice though because at one and a half. Like a child that age is still like trying to kill themselves in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like yeah. It, it, without realizing it. I mean, there's no correct. malintent there, but you're going, you could die and you don't, you have no idea. Well, if my son is the kind of kid who, if you put him in a room with 50 toys and one claw hammer, he will go <laughs> find the claw hammer every time. Every time. Yeah. He might not do anything dangerous with it, but he will naturally find, like, the thing he's not supposed to have. I think that's just kids, man. Kids have a natural yeah. gravity toward danger. Yes. Which yes. is super frustrating as the one who is tasked with keeping them alive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, it just makes the job a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, what part of the country are you in? So I live in Nashville. Okay. I was just in Nashville. The bachelorette uh, party capital of the world. Unfortunately, yes, that is correct. I found uh, when I was there, it was you couldn't go like two blocks without finding a new gaggle of women in pink cowboy hats. Yes, yes. Um, uh, which is, is uh, my favorite thing about that is I was talking to somebody else about this recently. Austin sort of has a similar thing going on mm. where people will show up for bachelor or bachelorette parties and they'll do the cowboy thing. But, like, people in Texas wear cowboy hats. There are people who do that. They're not necessarily in Austin specifically, but it is part and parcel of larger Texas culture. Nobody in Nashville wears it. Like, if you just, if you're not downtown and you're just like going to the grocery store, nobody's wearing a cowboy hat. (laughs) It's not a thing here. It's only a thing because country music artists from Texas came to Nashville to, (laughs) to record. That's it. You know, that's a great point. Like, you think of Nashville as, you know, honky-tonks and all that. But, I mean, that's not indicative of the South. It's not a cowboy culture. No, like, You wouldn't no. picture, like, Georgians wearing uh, cowboy no, hats. No, you wouldn't see be like, oh, you oh you live in uh, Kentucky, so you, you probably have cattle. It's like, <laughs> why would you say that? Yeah, like North Carolina, you know, it's, it's not like yeehaw. Right, like, right. I, that's too weird, man. Like I, I never really thought about that because that's like cowboy cosplay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And dude, like there are people in Denver. I mean, it's the West, so like there are actual farmers and ranchers sure. here, and yeah, like people who are honest to god cowboys. But we get a lot of fucking cowboy cosplayers too. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you go, okay, bro? Like 
you don't see me dressing up as like a pirate, you know. Or, <laughs> but maybe you said, or, maybe that's the answer, John. Uh, well, then, then you know, then I'll go uh, try out for that revival of dodgeball. Um, <laughs> but like, you don't see people dressed as Vikings or like you know Knights of the Round Table or any of this right. shit. Like, it's right. such a weird choice to me. It's similar, like like the wrong kind of sports fan. You can really get under their skin when you say your cosplaying is your favorite player. Yes, like yes. a grown ass man wearing another man's jersey to me, it, like will never <laughs> not be funny. Um, yes, uh, you know, and like you can play it off however you want, but some people are super earnest about it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And sports kind of needs that group. It, like that's 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 the messed up thing about it is you need that that element for sports to succeed like to that degree though you need some people like that like you need like let me put it this way if you are the cleveland browns (laughs) you need some contingent of people who live and die as as nonsensical as that is you need that like core constituency who like will always care no matter how bad you are no matter how ethically questionable you are no matter like how inept you are, you need people who are like, I'm it's to me, it's not that different from people who are like way too committed to the Marvel cinematic universe. Oh or something yeah. Like that. And like Disney's not mad that those people are going to see every movie in the theater, even the bad ones. Yeah. Like, that's good for them. Yeah, I agree. But the thing that troubles me about it is there comes entitlement with that sometimes. Uh, yes, yes. Where And I, I'm always amazed by people who let sports ruin their entire day. Yeah. Where this is something that asks nothing of you and is there for your amusement and personal just sort of enjoyment. And yet it plays such an outsized role in your overall psyche. I'm like, boy, that's probably not good. It requires, I think, a lot of self-examination to figure out like why you're there. Because college sports in particular, it's a way to belong to a group, which is a hard thing to do these days. Uh, and I think yeah, a lot fair. harder than it was, you know, 50 years ago or something like that. The idea that you can belong to something that is bigger than yourself, that has like, I would say more than pro sports, very clear definitions of what it means to be this like Colorado fans are these kind of people Colorado State fans are these kind of people and like that's not true there's no actual (laughs) truth to it but I think it gives people an opportunity to say okay this is how I can better understand my identity it's not the best way to go about that necessarily but I think in like small doses it can be okay but yes you're right there are people who like I'll give you that. Way too far with it. Yes. Well, and like if if you're having fun with it, so for instance, the Nuggets are playing the Suns right now. Yes. And Devin Booker, up until last night, has been just unreal. Right. Can't miss. <clears throat> no. Just he's shooting like an absurd 70 plus percent from yes. the field. Yes. On one level, I'm deeply appreciative of that. On another, I hate his punchable face so much. <laughs> right? Like every time I see... Yeah. His face, I'm like, man, it just I feel like Rob Riggle in Step Brothers. Like, I want to put one of these right in your <laughs> suck hole. You know what I mean? And like, if I met Devin Booker in real life, I'd be thrilled to meet Devin yes. Booker. Like, if, if Devin Booker played for the Nuggets, you would have nothing bad to say about it. Exactly. Him. Yeah. And so, like, I love that. I can't imagine how irritating someone like Jamal Murray must be to yeah. to fans of other teams. 
But sports gives you a really nice like release valve for some of that animosity that you just feel as a human. And as long as you do it in a healthy way, like I can talk about Devin Booker that way because none of that shit's real. Yes. And I think if if you take that too far, you've missed the point entirely. Yes, I think that's right. Like sports at their core are about very human things. Workplace conflict or stylistic differences hmm. or struggling to change over a course of time. Like these are things that can, you know, you dilute them down to their base elements. Like these are about sort of things that we all deal with. They just happen to involve the most athletic people who have ever existed in history. Yeah. And, and so there is, I think a lot that you can pull from that humanity and that that's sort of the attractive element and it can be a good release valve, but like so much of this is just like, yeah, if you want to, if you're at home and you want to say, Devin Booker sucks, and I wish I could punch him in the face, that's different from doing it at the game <laughs> from, yeah. from three rows from the court, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, uh, here's something I've been thinking about a lot. The impact of legalized sports gambling. Yeah. Where, where do you land on that? How do you feel about it? <sighs> You've picked an interesting time to ask about this because in the last two weeks or so, College baseball has been embroiled mm-hmm. by betting betting scandals so much so that Alabama fired their head coach like three days after. I read the that story. Report. That was just so clumsy the way extremely like, he, he yes. did it too. Yes, but yeah, I, I don't want to derail you here. Right. So I think I'm going to use a sort of clumsy example here. In my previous life, I was an attorney. And the way people talk, the one way that people conceive about civil rights cases at the Supreme Court is that it, they kind of work like a pendulum where like cases will go in a negative civil rights direction for a period. And then one case will come open that will sort of like move everything forward a little bit. And I think gambling is going to come the same way where sort of like we are in the buildup phase. Like we're just inundated with sports gambling. It never ends. At, yes. Advertisements, during broadcasts, standalone productions, whatever. And I think it's not a bubble because it's not going to pop, but it is going to shrink. And I think right now there's so much money on the table for everybody, for the leagues, for media companies that like they're just sort of saying yes to all of it. My sense of it is that at some point they will say, hold on, this is not necessarily what the audience wants, or at least in this much quantity. Sure. And there, there will be a sort of like calming of the market, so to speak. But that, yeah, it, it feels like you're right. We haven't hit the saturation point yet, even though it feels like we're oversaturated. Yes. But uh, yeah, they will be right sized perhaps because I myself am not a sports gambling fan. I just, I, I find the entire industry sort of distasteful and it's actually like detracting from my enjoyment of sports because everyone's sure. talking about lines and in-game parlays. Right, and like, right. Get fucked with all that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm wondering how big of a contingent like I represent there and at what point like they, they sort of hear us a little bit more. So I, I think your answer is like philosophical and perfect considering that you were an attorney <clears throat> because, you know, understanding the lay of the land here uh, is sort of part and parcel to what you used to do. I got to ask, why'd you get out of that? It was mostly right time, right place. So the last job I had as a lawyer, I was working for the city of New York 
uh, for more or less the internal investigations department for other city and city departments and city vendors and things like that. And this was at the end of Mike Bloomberg's last term. He was mayor for nine years. And the thing I didn't know was that when a new mayor comes in, all the agencies turn over, not just at the top, but like, okay, the head of the department leaves, their deputies leave. Like it just sort of domino effects. There are some people who are lifers who have been like, I've been here 30 years, I'm not going anywhere. And I just sort of was like, well, I've, I've been here for like three years. I don't know if, you know, I don't know what the new people are going to want me to do, if they're going to like me. There's going to be this interim period that's going to be real weird. And I had an opportunity to go work in sports media, which I had been kind of doing part time on the side. And it was just sort of like, okay, if I'm going to make the jump, this is the time to do it. And it just sort of things fell into place for me to get a chance at it. Okay, that's cool. So you weren't like burned out or like. Not especially, no. Like, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I was like, oh man, being a lawyer is the best and most fun job you can ever have. And there were definitely, but there were parts of it that I really liked, and there were parts of it that I thought were very intellectually and personally satisfying. It wasn't, it wasn't a job I hated by any means. It was just more like, oh, this is a really cool opportunity that might not be here if I don't sort of take a jump at it. Now. Okay, that's cool. I also did this before I had kids when you can do whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> well, dude, that's how I started this show because I, I had my eye on it and then all of a sudden my wife got pregnant and I go, oh, yeah. crap, I have to like get this thing off the ground. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm never going to do it. Yes. And correct. so like this is what I wanted to do. And so I'm like, I have to have the rhythms down. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to happen once this, no. I can't be learning something new. Like, I'm not going to be that asshole dad who like has a kid and gains more hobbies somehow. Right, right, which, right. <laughs> um, which we've met dads like that and they yes. suck. Like, yeah, yeah. awful. <clears throat> okay, so you're freelancing right now. It's been a few yeah. months. Do you have your eye on like an ideal landing spot? I mean, the, the sports media landscape is fucking weird right now. Yes, um, yes. But I mean, if you could articulate a goal, what might that be? <sighs> I'm actually kind of enjoying not having a full landing spot right now. I like the level of freedom that comes with being a freelancer and sort of being able to set my own schedule. It is like, there's a lot I'm having to learn about how to do it differently. And, you know, none of this is, I am not the first or even the thousandth person, but like, yeah, it sucks to chase down uh, an invoice that somebody is late paying you on. Yes. And there's a lot of it that's, that is unpleasant, but I like that now I'm in a position where I can sort of craft what I want to create and what I want to pitch and sort of take it out there and be like, who wants to do this? And not sort of have to say, okay, well, I have to run this up the chain and get approval from X, Y, or Z. And then they have to figure out if the budget's there. And like, I don't know, like, I think there are a lot of advantages to working for a company, but frequently, you know, my experience was not necessarily that I got no a lot. It was more that I just didn't necessarily get an answer. Yeah. And I think now I am at least in a place where I can sort of say, if there's something I want to make, if I want to like make a new podcast or something, I can say, all right, well, I can go pitch it to different people. Or if I want to, I can just say, I'm just going to you know, take a shot and try it on my own. And I don't need anybody to sort of like tell me it's okay. I just have to make that leap on with my own time and effort. Yeah. I, it's phenomenal. The, so the, the word you're describing is agency. 
Yes, yes. So, I mean, for me, the biggest thing when I was, and I've said this many times on this show, but when I was working inside of, and it was a big company too, so it, you know, it turns like a, like a cruise liner. Yes. So it takes forever. It's very slow. If I was dissatisfied or if I, you know, was unhappy, I had very little agency to change. So, and I'm wired for anxiety as it is. And that started to manifest as existential dread. Sure. Whereas now, if I have anxiety, I'm like, okay, what am I not doing? Because right. literally it's all on me here. Like, yeah. And so I, I quell that feeling by action. And, yeah. and so like the, the anxiety of the entrepreneurial life propels me to action and get shit done in a way that's much more efficient and creatively fulfilling than it ever was working for someone else. Can I, can I ask a sort of the flip side of that? Sure. Do you find that when you have periods of inaction, that that feels like a choice rather than a potential disappointment or a potential uh, dereliction of duty? Yeah. 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 Yes. So, you know, everyone's like, when you work for yourself, do you find yourself working more? And I go, not really, but I'm thinking about it all the time. Like, I literally never, ever stop thinking about it. There are just times I choose not to do it. Yes. And so, like, could I be grinding more? Could I be hustling at all times? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know. LinkedIn certainly wants you to. (laughs) Ah, good. LinkedIn. (laughs) Finally, we're talking about a good social media platform. (laughs) My favorite one, you know, filled with people, like, posting a a bunch of really lame, like, cliched bromides. Yes, yes. About how inspirational it is to hear some fucking TED talk from the CEO of Pepsi (laughs) or whatever. It's like... (laughs) A group of Darren Ravels on there. Um, <laughs> but uh, for me, I've realized, yeah, there are times I'm just choosing not to do it. And that, that, those times are really restorative. Like I, w- I saw sort of a, a gap in my schedule last week. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go play golf. Yeah. And so I just did. It was a Thursday morning and I was playing right. with these two retired ladies. And it was phenomenal. Uh, who was better? Uh, me or them? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was something of a horse race. <laughs> okay. All right. Because like it was my first time out this year and I shot like 50, which and on 9, yeah. um which is not great. Right. But it was like competent, you know. Yes. Yes, it's not why did I even come out here? Right. So yeah, I wasn't out there embarrassing myself. But, you know, anytime you're playing with elderly women, they're not going to be super long off the tee. Mm-hmm. So they're necessarily going to take more shots. Yes. So, you know, in 41-year-old John versus, you know, 60-year-old Cheryl mm-hmm. and, and 60-year-old Ellen, which, by the way, you couldn't have picked two more perfect, like... Oh, that is that is spot on. It was Cheryl and Ellen, and they were <laughs> terrific. And we had a great time. We had a bunch of laughs. Uh, yeah, we were, we were about even. So. Okay. I love it. Hey, hey it's all good. Um, okay. <clears throat> Last question for you. Which is who are your favorite follows on Twitter? I really like David Roth. Um, oh God, I lo- I've had Roth on this show. Have you? He's yeah. He's like, like my favorite writer too. He's phenomenal. He's he is a really good writer, and it's funny because he is his talent as a writer is so layered and not heavy, but like I'll read a long David Roth thing, oh, and God, I'm not yes. worried about it. But he's also really funny and witty in like the super short form of Twitter or on his own podcast or whatever. Like it's really rare. I think that you find people who can sort of do both of those things really well. 
he's he's somebody who definitely comes to mind. Have you seen Art But Make It Sports on Twitter? <laughs> no. That sounds phenomenal. So Art, Art, it's at Art But Sports. And there was recently, uh, I forget who, somebody recently did like an interview with this person. It's basically a an account that takes still photographs from games and finds pieces of art that they most closely resemble. So like there is a shot of the Lakers sideline from the other night that is compared to a Francisco Goya painting (laughs) called the witch's Sabbath. And the thing about this account is that they're all good. They like don't miss. And, And everybody assumed, I think like, Oh, this is somebody who has created a really good bot or some sort of AI infrastructure. But it's just one person who like has this deep under this deep like knowledge and background in art, and can so effectively like I, I, it's just delightful. It's just delightful because they can pull who this person can pull things that art that you've never seen, and match them with modern sports photography. It's just it's a delight. That's, it never gets old. That sounds phenomenal, um, and I love like. Twitter, it for me, the best form of Twitter is like that and like weird Twitter. Yes. <clears throat> so like my favorite weird Twitter account is this guy named Fred Delicious. Okay. Who is just like it's all absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff is really great. There's another one called Boring as Heck. Um, who's always. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bo- uh, was Boring as Heck the one who was ruining mock drafts for a while? <laughs> I hope so. I think for a while, if I'm remembering. It was either him or one of his collaborators was doing a thing where he would go to mock drafts that people were doing on like fantasy football sites and he would immediately fuck them up by like taking Tim Tebow with them. Like in now, like Tim Tebow who hasn't played. And everybody would be furious because they're trying to do this to learn about like how their actual draft will work. And he just immediately fucks it up for them. Dude, there's a guy on there called uh, Kill a Cow who uh, does an unreal Bill Simmons impression. Yes. You've yes, seen that I've one? Heard, I've heard these. Yes. Have you ever seen him, uh, like, it'll be a reply to someone else's, like, very earnest Twitter, and he'll always chime in with, did you know the guy who played Mr. Belvedere sat on his balls one time? <laughs> yes. And they had to shut down filming for a couple of days? Yes. And, <laughs> every time that shows up, I laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's... There, there are certain shticks on Twitter that feel like they just don't get old. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, and that's one for me. Yes, there's a completely earnest Twitter account, and I don't know like who started this, but I watch every single one of them, and it's just uh, SNL hosts introducing the musical guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a really fun one. There's one of just Rick Rude selling Atomic Drops. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, ravishing recruits selling atomic drops. Love it. That kind of shit. I don't know. Again, dude, things too stupid to exist. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they they don't make sense. They contribute nothing to capitalism. And that's why I love them. <laughs> yeah, we we have to exist outside the machine. Yes, uh, yes, which is beautiful. Okay, Ryan Nanny, this is the time on the show when we do plugs. Where can people find you? Plug anything you like. Uh, primarily, you can find me uh, at Shutdown Fullcast, the longtime college football podcast I have been doing for far too long with my three co-hosts. I'll let you know, frequently we don't talk about college football at all, not on this most recent episode, but the one before it. I think the only things we talked about were 
the various swords and stones that were part of uh, Charles becoming king and some other nonsense. I don't think we even said the word football once. Terrific. So it's, it's perfectly on point. Outstanding. Well, if you uh, and then uh, plug Twitter, Instagram. Yes, you can find me uh, at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter or Instagram. I don't know; they're both similarly like. Most recently on Twitter, I uh, decided to let everybody know like that Lumiere from the original animated Beauty and the Beast, the Candlestick. The voice of that character is Lenny Briscoe from the Law and Order universe. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's just a, a delightful thing. More people should know. I also appreciated how you recently remembered that the A Team movie existed. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just um, no idea why my brain decided to summon that back up. Never seen it. Uh, it's terrific. It, in in that it's not, but it's right. it's a great deal of fun. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I saw it in theaters, and we just fell in love with it because the movie is a sentient high five. Yeah. Is this movie just making bold choices? No. Okay. No, it's <laughs> um, no, it's it's a fairly by the numbers studio okay. action movie. Um, but like, I don't know. Roughly like fifty percent of it is them like sitting around like drinking Johnny Walker Blue and like right. laughing and shit. Right, right. Because like the plans all go about like you'd hope. Yeah. And it, it's just really fun. Like you get some great performances, and mostly you're watching it. You go, I want to hang out with those guys. Right. Right. And so, like, it's a really, really good hangout movie. And my yeah. anytime it's on, like, that's how old we are. Like, we still have, like, linear television. Yep, yep. Like, if it's on, my wife and I will probably just plop down and watch it. I mean, you got Liam Neeson, Bradley Cooper, uh, Charlotte Copley, who steals yeah. the fucking movie. Yeah? Oh, he shoplifts it. It's phenomenal. Okay. I've, I've had enough people, after posting that, be like, I love this film. I do. It's not, yeah. it's not good, but I love this film that I'm like, I guess I need to watch the A-Team at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not a moment too soon. Right. Because that came out in what, 2010? And it's like 13 years later. God. It's awful. Anyway. Um, well, Ryan, I'll tell you what. This was uh, a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. And uh, I wish you nothing but continued success, man. Thank you for having me. This was this was great. And uh I'll make sure the A-Team is added to my schedule as soon as possible. Thank God. That'll do it for episode 349 of the John of All Trades podcast featuring Mr. Celebrity Hot Tub himself, Ryan Nanny. Had a great time with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck with the rest of the podcast. You still have more than half a year left. I can't wait to see how many you've tallied by the end of the year. Our sponsor is 4 Degrees. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. They're undergoing a rebrand, which, by the way, I've been saying this for nine years. I am never going to get the new company right. So for now, until their new site is up, that's where you go. If you're doing anything in the online space trying to reach people, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Email marketing, online advertising, uh, social media campaigns, building a website, anything you need in the digital space to reach people where they are, 4Degrees can help you do it. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm on social, J-O-A-T-Pod is the handle. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Episode previews, when they're available, go up exclusively on Facebook. Those will be on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. I'm spend a ton of time here. I'm over at Happy Friday. Check out milehighlife.com for Happy Friday and a ton of the other best shows here in Denver. That's all I can tell you. If you're looking for great pods, something to listen to before or after work, Mile High Life has you covered. Milehighlife.com. Happy Friday, Den, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Out of here for now. I'll be back here soon enough. Until then, I hope you're doing well. Take care of yourselves. 
take care of each other. Whatever you're doing, I hope it's personally and professionally fulfilling. I adore you for letting me be a part of your lives. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Tracy. That's good, Johnny.